This November 3rd NBA betting picks show edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Price Picks. Sign up with promo code SGP by going to pricepicks.com slash SGPN and use promo code SGPN for a first deposit match up to $100. Roster brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Plus, the MMA Gambling Podcast just launched their YouTube channel. To celebrate, we're giving away a MMA Gambling Podcast hoodie, Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash MMA hoodie for all the details. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, November the 3rd, currently 11.05 on the East Coast. Here to get into the NBA schedule for our betting picks. For the games happening today, and it's the first of the group stage for the NBA in-season tournament uh, that was implemented for this new season. So the group stage is starting this, uh, or sorry, I should say tonight. Uh, it's going to be Tuesdays and Fridays uh, in the month of November. Um, if you guys don't know, um, they implemented a new in-season tournament. The semifinals and finalists will head over to Vegas uh, for, I believe it's a million-dollar prize, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but if you don't know the rules uh, or the format, I would suggest go looking at it. But it's pretty uh, simple, uh, kind of su- similar to uh, the World Cup, Soccer World Cup, and things like that. But joining me here to help me break it all down, you guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the MLB Gambling Podcast. Of course, here on the NBA Gambling Podcast, it's Scott Sudeir-Reichel. Scott, what's going on, my man? They're doing pretty well. We're kind of in uncharted territory because this is something new for the league, so we're going to see how it goes. I know initially the point was to try to limit the amount of load management by trying to make some games more meaningful because it's going to be also, once again, you said the prize pool of about a million per player. It's per player, right? I believe so. I don't think they would just be playing for a million. I'll look it up all you. I'm uh, assuming so, but everybody's contract is for a lot more than $1 million, so I'm not sure if this actually accomplishes anything. But the point is, should be interesting. We're going to see if it actually does anything to affect load management. Uh, so far, it doesn't seem like it affects anything for OKC because Shea's not going to play today. And you're still looking around the injury report throughout the entire league, and a lot of people are still questionable. So I don't know if it actually is going to accomplish anything, but it's something new. So why not? Looking forward to it. So if I'm reading this correctly, it says the price pool includes monetary bonuses for each player on a team that reaches a knockout round. So it's 50,000 per player for the quarterfinal loser, 100,000 for each semi-final loser, and then 200,000 each for the championship loser, and then 500,000 for each champion uh, for each champion player. And I think there's I saw something that came across um that for coaches, there's an incentive as well. As you obviously progress through the uh, the knockout stage, the the prize pool or the bonus or whatever you want to call it uh, increases just like it does here for the uh, players as well. So a little bit of something for everybody to go around here. I'm sure I know as this if they find success for this in-season tournament, um, maybe they increase the prize pool as it does go along. But well, I do want to ask you with yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. If you were getting paid sixty million dollars a year, mm-hmm. would you care about five hundred thousand dollars? 
and that was something I was going to pose to you as well. It's like, number one, like what's the motivation for some of these players that are making, like you mentioned, 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year for them to go out and play in these in-season tournaments and these group stage and then obviously to the knockout stage. But I mean, would you care about it? And does it affect your handicapping? No, I wouldn't care about it. I'm not sure if it's going to impact my handicapping or not, because I feel like the injury report is still in flux for a lot of teams. But I feel like it's got to be said that $500,000 might seem like a decent amount of money to us, but to Mm -hmm. NBA players, it's nothing. So I just feel like it's worth talking about because you're looking at a spot where a lot of these superstar athletes, especially with the salary cap going up, with the media rights with the NBA, Mm -hmm. you've just seen the main contracts, the major contracts, go from like $40 million to $60 million in the span of a couple of years, and now you're trying to advertise $500,000 as a ceiling prize? Like, I don't I don't think it's enough money. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I, we know that the NBA has that money, has the money to dish out a little bit more uh, for, um, for these players. But also, I will see, man. I, I feel like it's just a, another regular season game here, and I think CapQuest says it the mo- the best. I think as a fan, why should we even care about this in season tournament? It's it, it, it is it is the what WNBA, it is. but that's because a lot of the players aren't making that much. Exactly, so comparing the actual monetary gains of the winner of that event compared to the normal salaries, it's yeah. a lot closer. You can't use yeah, the same salaries if you're, the uh, male players are making like $60 million in some cases. I just don't think it's going to matter. It's going to matter to a couple of people that don't have a lot of, uh, say, security financially. Right. So you're looking mm-hmm. at like two-way players or league minimum guys. But mm-hmm. we know the league is always driven by star power. And I don't think this actually is going to do enough to move the needle. Now, you could argue how gimmicky do you want to make this? Should the winner get an automatic playoff spot? I don't know. But I don't think money is going to be the answer to this because, once again, a lot of the players have already secured a solid amount of wealth. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see if, it try, if it's a one-and-done thing or or maybe if they added an extra zero at the end of these some of these prize uh, pools, then maybe it would be a different conversation uh, for some of these players. But um, last night... Uh, Quickly, we'll recap. Uh, I think it was a dis- well, not honestly, it was a disaster on the pod here. But uh, McKee took, uh, I think he took Scotty Barnes over on his rebounds uh, as his lock. That one got there, um, and then I had Scotty Barnes double double as my dog. Uh, he finished up with eight rebounds and eight assists. The points obviously got there, but uh, he didn't quite make it to uh, the window as far as a double double. Um, I took Suns in the first quarter, and we know how that turned out. I should have just stayed with my gun instincts and taken the magic because they've been a wagon in the first half thus far this season. But um, I think the talk of the town and the talk on Twitterverse uh, slash X was what transpired last night in that Suns game. Uh, Scott, did you have any thoughts on what what you saw last night in that game? Even with Devin Booker returning. Yeah, Victor is pretty good. That was my main yeah, takeaway. Yeah. He had, he had uh, 38 points, <laughs> 10 rebounds. I'm a bit annoyed they didn't get him the ball for those free throws at the end to get him 40, but still. Uh, Victor was incredible. There's really no way around that he had 28 points immediately. The Spurs almost blew. They actually did. They blew a 27-point lead because it was a tie yeah. game. And then mm-hmm. Booker was talking trash to Sochan and then didn't make a shot for the rest of the game. I swear I have not seen a single good thing happen to the Suns after Booker <laughs> trash talks mid-game. I've not seen it. It's been a. I, he's done it for a while. I've not seen like a good outcome in the end. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, but the point is the Spurs ended up sweeping the two-game set there against Phoenix, and Victor looked incredible. So I feel like you're looking at, once again, the coming out party for the most highly anticipated prospect since LeBron. And yeah. that's not an exaggeration. I just feel like that's pretty accurate based on the hype and the amount of tanking we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, Victor is just – it's not something that I've ever seen before. And I'm trying to think of a good comparison – You ever go to an amusement park or maybe a carnival and you see the really, really tall guy on stilts? Mm -hmm. That's Victor, except he's like Kevin Durant. Did you see the picture of him standing next to Kevin Durant at uh, during the free throws? Like Kevin Durant looks like he just looks like a little bit. Durant's mini. like 6'10". So yeah, that's the crazy part. He looks like like he looks tiny standing next to Victor Winbinyama. That was the crazy part in that picture that I saw. But um, yeah, you're you're right. Again, it was a a I think the coming out party for Victor last night. Are you concerned about the defense here for the Phoenix Suns? Yes, because we all liked their win total under because we mm-hmm. thought they wouldn't be able to guard anybody. And the main thing that I said with the front court and the amount of depth is that when you go all in on three superstars to fill in your roster, you're going to have a lot of underwhelming options in the supporting cast. Now, Eric Gordon Mm -hmm. has actually been decent offensively. Grayson Allen's been okay from three. Are they good defensively? No. We know Eric Eric Gordon hasn't tried to guard anybody in about five years. So it doesn't really mean much. And the main trade that I kind of criticized was the Eaton trade because they got back Nurkic, who I said can't move. At this point in his career. Now, I was wrong for one game because he was really, really good in the first game of the season. He got benched Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter or four games into the season. Like, there's some points where you have to realize that trading for, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe Nurkic. A stiff? Is that a good way to put it? I mean, he can't switch out on pick and rolls. He's really not that nimble. So anytime you're going to be getting rid of Aiden, I know Aiden wasn't a good defender either, but at least he gave you a shot switching out onto some guards you wouldn't you know once again it's, yeah. you're, you're not in a good spot when you're switching a center on to a perimeter player nowadays anyway unless you have an undersized center who can actually switch a little bit but Nurkic defensively gives you nothing in any single pick and roll switch and we yeah. knew this because we saw this with Portland for the last three years so Suns fans were just so happy to get rid of Aiton that they tried to shield themselves mentally from all the flaws that are present in Nurkic's game. And you can't use him late in games because defensively, he can't guard anybody. So you're looking at Eubanks playing a lot of minutes late. Eubanks is a high-energy guy, but I think it's worth mentioning that when you trade a guy like Aiton, who I know has not had a great year this year either, but he can probably walk into, what do you think, like 17 and 10, 17 and 11? Yeah. And play decent defense, mm-hmm. and you switch it to a guy like Nurkic, who probably can average like what, like 12 and 8, 12 and 9. So you downgrade offensively, and he can't guard anybody, mm-hmm. and you're trying to win games. Like your team defensively is going to be terrible, and Beal hasn't even played. And Beal's been one of the worst defenders in the league for his entire career. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Do I think Phoenix is screwed? No. I'm going to wait to see how Beal and Booker and Durant look together. But yeah. defensively, this team's going to have problems all year long. Especially when you have a defensive-minded head coach, you also don't have 
a uh, the defensive players to execute his game plan as well. So they're going to have to buy in on the defensive end. And that's back-to-back nights, especially last night, was really telling where this Phoenix Suns defense is at right now. So we'll see uh, what happens with the uh, Phoenix Suns, at least defensively going forward. Offensively, we know where they're going to be really good when you have Beal eventually when he does get back on the floor, and obviously Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. All right, Scott, before we get into the games here for tonight, let me tell everyone about price picks. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, if you want to take LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made, and receptions, well, you can do that over with Prize Picks. And if you want to play alongside alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players, like rapper Meek Mill, you can now find community plays under the Promotes tab on the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and they don't return in the second, that player is rebooted. PricePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Last night, me and McKee put together an entry. Uh, we had Zion in there. Zion set out, but we hit the other two uh, entries that we did with the higher um, or the more on uh, Scotty Barnes rebounds and on uh, Mr. Victor Rinbinyama yesterday. So, Scott and myself will put together another one for tonight. Hopefully, we can keep the winning going for you guys as well. So, all you got to do is go to pricepicks.com slash SGPN and make sure to use that promo code SGPN for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash SGPN using code SGPN. Pricepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And the MMA Gambling Podcast just launched their YouTube channel. In honor, we're giving away a MMA Gambling Podcast hoodie to one lucky winner. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash MMA hoodie. Submit your entry today and make sure to subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast on YouTube. All right, Scott, let's get into the games here for tonight. Not a huge schedule, but we still have about, I think, seven games on the board here tonight. Let's start with the first one here. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are in Indiana to take on the Pacers uh, currently seeing the line in favor of the Cavs very slightly minus one and a half uh, on the road here. Total sitting at 224 and a half in this game. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Jared Allen, Darius Garland are both questionable here tonight. And for the Indiana Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Smith, uh, Oscar Shigwe and Isaiah Wong uh, are all questionable. Shigwe and Wong are on two-way contracts, so don't expect them to be uh, on the roster here. But the more important part here, keep your eye out for Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Smith if they are going to be playing in this game. So some significant injuries for both uh, starting lineups here, Scott. But which way are you leaning with the Cavs? I say minus one and a half point road favorite here. I think for me, I'm going to lean to Cleveland. Do I feel great about it? Not really. Allen hasn't played a game yet, so if he comes back, that's a big boost. Garland's been out for the last couple games. Now, the Cavs have been a bit underwhelming so far this season. They did end up splitting against the Knicks. They won an MSG in their last game. Indiana's kind of all over the place because Halliburton didn't play, and they lost by 50 points to the Celtics, so I don't know if that means anything. Because once again, Halliburton didn't play in Boston as Boston. So we'll see how, once again, they look back at home against a worse team. Cleveland's still a playoff team, though. I think I'm just going to lead to Cleveland because of right now, I really just don't trust Indiana. 
and I feel like defensively this team's a lost cause. Cleveland offensively has been an issue, but defensively they're usually good. But I do think looking at this matchup, I don't have much until I have information about the actual injuries because Halliburton and Garland are two pretty key pieces, and including Allen, that's three pretty key pieces. So I might have to plead the fifth for now. I'm going to lean to Cleveland, but I'm not betting it until I know for sure if Halliburton's playing or not. Yeah, I agree. Again, I don't think it would have mattered if Halley played in that game against the Boston Celtics because defensively, this Indiana Pacers team just has not been very good. They're uh, worded, uh, uh, rated, I should say, the worst defensive rated team uh, thus far this season. I know it's only about four over to five games uh, over the Wizards. Really? Over didn't the Bucks that. as well. Yeah. I thought the Wizards were lapping the field with defensive ineptitude. I didn't realize the Pacers were as bad. Yeah, I think it probably has a lot to do with the 155 piece yeah. they gave up to uh, the Celtics in their last game. But, uh, you know, we like, I mean, we know that this Pacers team likes playing with pace. Uh, they are second in pace. Um, Washington's number one, just for reference. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of up and down. But, yeah, we'll keep an eye out if uh, Halley does play in this game or not. But I, I'm, I lean to the Cavs side here as well. Probably look at a Cavs team total to go over in this game. Should be a big Donovan Mitchell night going up against this defense. Um, but as far as the total here, Scott, that number is now up to 225 and a half. Any thoughts on that? It's tough to take an under with Indiana being involved. But, I mean, Cleveland's been an under team for the most part because they can't score. So the argument yeah. is, once again, with the injury report, something's got to give with this game. I guess I'm going to lean to the over, and I'm just going to hope that if Garland and Halliburton play, that provides enough offensive stability for these teams to go over. Indiana can't guard anybody, though. Like, that's not going to change whether Halliburton plays or not. So I think I'm just going to lean to the over and hope for the best. But once again, it's really tough to bet this game without knowing who's actually playing. Yeah, I agree. I think that we'll find out a lot about this uh, Pacers defense. If they're truly that bad, especially if they're going to be missing Garland, um, and or Jared Allen. I know Allen's not really an offensive guy. He's more there for defense, but we'll find out how bad this defense is tonight if you know Darius Garland's not able to go for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Any player props you're looking at in this game? Uh, well, I mean, Halliburton double-double is always tempting if he suits up, but that might be a pretty juice price. I think Mitchell has a big game because I don't think I don't know who can guard him on Indiana. Uh, I think Bruce Brown's a pretty good defender, but I once again have to at least point out that Indiana just gave up 150 plus points in a game. So I got to look at Cleveland to have a lot of offensive firepower, at least for parts of this game, because Indiana is letting everybody score. Uh, Mitchell, I think, is in line for a pretty big game, especially if Garland's out. So going with relative chalk there, but I think Mitchell's in line for a 30 piece. Yeah, I think that Donovan Mitchell is probably the guy here. Um, and this line just keeps on moving. Now it's up to minus three in favor of the Cavs here. So uh, maybe some injury news did come across. I didn't see anything official yet. But maybe some of those guys are trending towards playing here tonight for the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, uh, Scott, let's go to the next game on the night. We have the New York Knicks. They are in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Bucks currently sitting as a five and a half point favorite. Total of 224 and a half. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the New York Knicks, RJ Barrett is questionable here tonight with left knee soreness. And for the Milwaukee Bucks, a pretty clean injury report. Only person that is on there is Andre Jackson Jr., but everybody else is a go uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks coming off of a atrocious loss, a loss we should say, uh, against the Toronto Raptors where they gave up 130 points. And we just talking about bad defense and how bad Indiana has been. Well, the Milwaukee Bucks are the second worst defensive rated team thus far this season 
but also a team that's playing with a high pace. Uh, they are also top 10 in pace right now. Um, New York Knicks, we saw, we just mentioned with the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers, they split those two games, uh, each road team winning uh, a respective game uh, in that little, I guess, mini series, we can call it. But Bucks defensively, we knew that they were going to take a, a, a drop. I didn't think the drop was going to be this bad going from Drew Holland to Damian Lillard, but Let's get to the side here first here, uh, Scott. Five and a half in favor of the Bucks. Which way are leading in this game? So I know that once again, Milwaukee had a lot of preseason expectation after the Lillard trade, and the Knicks were viewed as being a playoff team somewhere in the middle for seeding purposes in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to take the Knicks. I can't back a team laying five and a half that can't defend anybody. I just yep. feel like it's a bad overall recipe that the Bucks are dealing with, which is we have to outscore everybody because we can't guard anyone. And Middleton's been battling some injuries. He hasn't exactly been that sharp. Lillard's been pretty up and down offensively. Defensively, Mm -hmm. we know he's atrocious. So I do think when you're looking at the Knicks, the problem is Julius Randle can't shoot. In fact, he's been embarrassingly bad from the floor. Uh, Julius Randle so far in five games this season is shooting 27.6% from the floor. It's almost impossible. 27.6% 27.6% from the floor. He's been uh, he's been really bad. I mean, the rebounding's been there, so people haven't really noticed because the double-doubles have cashed in four of the five yeah. games. But he only mm-hmm. scored six points in that loss against Cleveland last time out. And you could argue maybe he's battling an injury. Who knows? I hope for his sake he's battling an injury because that's been an embarrassing start to the year. I'm going to lean to the Knicks, though, because at least this team, you know, game in, game out, is going to give a lot of effort, especially defensively for Thibodeau, and the Bucks don't guard anyone. I just have a hard time laying margin with a team that wants that just can't defend. So I'll lean to the Knicks. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think they're going to be able to hang in there. I'll lean to the Knicks plus the five and a half. I think they match up very well against the Bucks here. Uh, I mean, they have different guys that defensively uh, they can throw at, you know, guys like Dame and try to contain Giannis. When we talk about, you know, Josh Hart's of the world, if RJ Barrett, he provides some type of length on the defensive side of the basketball for you as well. I think Jalen Brunson should have a big game in this game here as well. I don't think Dame will be able to um, guard him. I know defense is always a question mark for Damian Lillard. So um, I like the matchup here for the Knicks. I like the Knicks here as well at plus five and a half. This number, I believe, was at six and a half on the open. Now has dipped down to point to plus five and a half for the Knicks. So I do think the Knicks can keep this close uh, here. And again, maybe Julius Randle turns it around uh, tonight, maybe the night. But like you mentioned, it's been just uh, horrendous. Uh, shooting the ball at least for Julius Randle thus far this season. Um, thoughts on the total here, sitting at another two twenty four and a half. I think I'm going to lean to the under on this one. I know okay. that I just roasted Milwaukee's defense for not being any good. The Knicks offensively aren't great. I have to at least point out that with Thibodeau, they're always going to be slower. They're always going to be a little bit ugly in the half court. I think Milwaukee offensively is fine, but it's had some growing pain so far. I'm just going to lean to the I'm going to lean to the under. I think the Knicks clamp down defensively, and that's what kind of why I think they cover. I just think they yeah. get enough looks, good looks, to actually score enough points to cover. But I don't mm. see a high scoring game, even though Milwaukee's defense has not been good. I'm going to lean to the under. I think the Knicks with Thibodeau drag the game under, but I think they get enough looks offensively to cover. So yeah, I think that if the Knicks do cover, uh, obviously I think this game will be a lower scoring game. Um, I mean, I'm saying something similar to the Cleveland game, but I think that they're going to have to bog down defensively uh, for them to stay within this number. And I think that it, obviously Milwaukee does win and cover this game. It, it probably does go over the total. So I think a little correlation there. If you like Knicks, I also look at the under. And also, if you like the Bucks, I think it, it would go over the number here. Um, player props in this game, if anything, that you do like. 
Well, you mentioned Brunson. I'm all over Brunson because if Randall's not going to hit shots, somebody's got to do it. And mm-hmm. Lord, we said before, can't guard anyone. So I think Brunson's in line for a pretty big game, especially if the Knicks are going to win or cover. Uh, you're looking at the Bucks. It's interesting because they're still trying to figure out the actual hierarchy of the team. Of course, it's still Giannis's team, but Lillard wants to get his. Has he been effective? Not really, but we're going to see if that can uh, change itself. I think Middle. I think Middleton is the odd man out with this team because he's been recovering from injury and he's not exactly a ball dominant guard anyway. So I am kind of leaning to Middleton under in this game, especially with the amount of good wings that the Knicks have defensively. I think Middleton's going to struggle in this matchup. So I think if you're looking at middle, uh, if you're looking at uh, Lillard or Giannis, and you want to make a case for either one to go under, I don't hate either one to go under because the Knicks, as you said before, match up pretty well with this team based on the amount of bodies and quality of defenders they have. So it's a little bit tricky to go with an under for Lillard or Giannis because I think either of them could have a good game or get clamped up. But I see Middleton just having a bad game, simply put, because he's still trying to work his way back. He's not the player he used to be, and I do think the Knicks, once again, might have to pick their battles. But I think that Middleton is not – I think he's easily the third option on this team. It's not even close. So I'll link to his under, but I think for the most part for the Knicks, I'm looking at Brunson over. Randall rebounds I'm tempted by because even though he can't shoot, at least he's been rebounding the ball. But I can't take him for points because Randall forgot how to shoot. So I think that's an option too. Uh, but that's kind of the main two that I'm looking at. Yeah, Chris Middleton hasn't played more than 17 games. Um, sorry, 17 minutes in the three games that he has played in for the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's averaging uh, seven points, seven point three points per game. And obviously, when you're only playing a limited amount of minutes, the shot uh, volume is not there for him either. Um, don't see his points. Let's say right now, I'm sure that'll probably come out closer to game time, but yeah, I, I definitely do agree about, uh, looking at unders for Chris Middleton's game. Um, yeah, right there with you with Julius Rand. Oh, sorry. With, um, Jalen Brunson in this game. I think that he should have a good game scoring the basketball. I'm sure he's a very, very, he's a very tough matchup, uh, for the backcourt of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks defense. But, um, I was trying to see how Julius Randall has done against the Bucks in his career. Um, the rebounds have been there in four of his last five games. Um, he's gone. He's had double digit rebounds uh, for the New York Knicks. Currently, his rebounding number is sitting at. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to assume it's at eight and a half or nine and a half. Yeah, eight and a half minus one ten. So I'd be tempted by that over there uh, for uh, Julius Randle. The only thing he's been doing well this season. Yeah. Anything else for this game here, Scott? No, not really. All right, before we get over to the next game of the night, let me tell everyone about a Hall of Fame bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame bets, a sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. And for NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is officially back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down just $5 on any NBA game win or lose. 
Doesn't matter. You'll start this season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at an even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SGP. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts, Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 20 years or older, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.drivekings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and dis- deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Scott, let's get over to the next game on the board here. Let's go over to the Golden State Warriors. They are in Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder in this game. Warriors are a five-and-a-half point favorite right now with a total of 224-and-a-half. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Golden State Warriors. Um, let's see. I do not see one for the Warriors submitted just yet. I don't know why. But for the OKC Thunder, obviously the big injury in this game. No Shea here tonight. He's dealing with a left knee sprain. Um, and that, and then Jalen Williams with a Y is also questionable here tonight with a hamstring injury. And Kenrich Williams is also out with lower back spasms for the OKC Thunder. But I think everybody should be a go for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Haven't seen anything um, that would uh, be anything different for the Warriors injury report. But Scott, minus five and a half in favor of the Warriors here. What are you thinking about this game? Yeah, I'm going to take Golden State. Uh, They've actually been solid on the road this season. So it seems like last year's road struggles were a bit fluky. But Golden State, the chemistry seems to be back. Uh, I'm not sure if that's because Jordan Poole's not there anymore. You can read into it. But the point is the Warriors look like a fully functioning team again, and they've been really good, simply put. They lost the first game of the season. They've been rolling and won every game since. I'm going to take Golden State. I think this Thunder team have a lot of talent, but with Shea being out there, I question the overall, I'd say, options offensively because Shea is such a great finisher that now you have to kind of reinvent your entire offense since he's your closer. So I am wondering who's going to step up for Oklahoma City. We've seen Giddy step up in times before without Shea, but we know Giddy shooting-wise, is not nearly as efficient as Shea is, especially getting to the foul line. Chet's fine. I think his offensive game is a bit, un- is a bit uh, I'd say, unpolished at this point. So I do wonder how effective he's going to be against Looney. I'm going to lead to Golden State, though. I have too many questions about OKC's offense. And even defensively, we saw Golden State, even last year when they were struggling on the road, they just score a bunch of points. Against OKC all the time. I see Curry having a big game. Clay, we saw the game winner last time out. Chris Paul's adjusted very nicely to the bench unit, and he's definitely helped stabilize that unit. So I'm going to go with Golden State. I think they're a good team. They've been playing well. OKC, I still think, is going to be good by season's end. But with Shea being out, it's a completely different team. So I'm going to go with the Warriors and they find a way to win. They might blow them out if OKC is fully out of it offensively with Shea not playing. But I really like what I've seen from Golden State. They look like a... Just a solid team with a lot of chemistry at the moment. That's good enough for me. I'll take Golden State. Yeah, Warriors have won uh, nine out of the last ten head-to-head matchups uh, against the Thunder. The last loss came back on Mar- March seventh earlier this season, earlier uh, this year, last season, 
in OKC where OKC did win that game 137-128. And I believe that was a game where I think one, no, everybody did play for the Warriors, but I think it was just an incredible shooting night for the uh, Thunder led by SGA in that game, who did have 33 points. Josh getting that game had a triple-double, 17-11-17 uh, for the Thunder. But yeah, <clears throat> I think there's adjustments that need to be made for this OKC Thunder team. Um, without SGA, like who... I know Chet has been there, but I think Chet has been a little underwhelming thus far, and we're just kind of hoping or waiting to see you know him take that next step. Uh, and being a bona fide scorer for this uh, Thunder team. And I know he's had two games, or at least two of the last three games, where he's had 19 uh, plus or 19 points for the um, OKC Thunder, but the, the shot volume just hasn't been there for him. It's been a little inconsistent. He's only averaging 9.4 attempts uh, per game, and 4.2 of those attempts are coming from three point land for Chet. So I want to see him be a little bit more involved in the offense for the OKC Thunder. But I mean, you mentioned it right now that the Warriors are an absolute wagon. Uh, seems like they fixed their woes of what happened last season, especially on the road. Um, I know they were in a very um, tough game against the Sacramento uh, Kings in their last game without De'Aaron Fox, but um, I guess I don't want to say it's a rivalry brewing between those two teams, but um, I just think that, yeah, right now for this Warriors team, they are playing on, on, a, on, another, on another level right now. I think even Draymond came out and said that last season, you know, guys weren't excited about, I guess, coming into the building and the chemistry just wasn't there. I think that had a lot of it obviously to do with what happened with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. And, you know, with Jordan Poole gone now, Draymond in so many words said, hey, you know, guys are coming into the building with smiles on their faces. You know, the chemistry has been great. And I think you and I have said this plenty of times at any time. That Splash Brothers are healthy. That core is intact with Draymond, with the Splash Brothers, and Steve Carr. And you add Chris Paul to the fold. Uh, I think this team is going to have a lot of success this season. And again, um, I, uh, Steph Curry is just playing at an MVP level right now. So uh, I'll take the Warriors here as well. Anything on the total here, Scott? Sitting at two twenty-four and a half. Uh, for me, I'm going to lean to the over. With all the high-scoring games they've had in years past and with OKC really not ever having an answer for Golden State offensively, even when this team was a circus last year, I see Golden State scoring a bunch of points. So I see a team total over for Golden State. I do wonder, once again, with them having to rely on maybe Cason Wallace as a starter for this game. I like them at Kentucky, but I don't know if he's ready to guard Steph Curry. I don't think anybody ever is. So I'm going to look at the Warriors. I do think we're looking at them probably scoring... If they scored 120, I wouldn't be shocked. So I'm going to go yeah. with the Warriors team total over, probably the full game over too. But I do have questions about OKC's offense. Uh, so I am going to go with Golden State team total over. Yeah, I was on the fence about the total in this game. Um, I think I think OKC may struggle to score in this game. And, then, and if we do think that this game does go over, it's probably because Golden State did most of the heavy lifting and, and pushed that total over by scoring, like you mentioned, 120, possibly even 130 points in this game. But I stayed away from the total. I didn't like um, anything, but I agree with you that if there was a way, if you wanted to bet the total, whether it's a team total or a full game uh, total, it's probably a Warriors team total over uh, in this game. Player props in this game, anything that you're looking at? Well, you mentioned Chet before, but I feel like you're trying to project where the shots are actually going because Shea takes a lot of shots. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of who is likely to get it. Giddy's going to be the main ball handler. So if you want to mm -hmm. go for points like for Giddy, that is at 17 and a half. I'm trying to think if there's actually value on that or not. Because Giddy, 
as an offensive player is still not a great shooter by any means. He's been working no. on it, but I still wonder mm-hmm. if he's actually going to be able to piece it all together from a shooting perspective. What do you think for OKC? Because I feel like for the props in this game, you're automatically looking at like Curry threes, Curry points. You can kind of pick whatever you want for Golden State. And you can maybe look at Looney rebounds because, once again, we know Chet is still undersized weight-wise in this matchup. Mm-hmm. OKC is fascinating because they got to reinvent their entire offense. So if you take a look at it right now, Shea's only averaging, I thought he was averaging like 30-something a game, but I guess there's a game where, yeah, he only had seven. Last time yeah. So SGA is averaging close to 25 per game, and then next it's Jalen Williams without the Y averaging 16, and then Chet at around 16. I, I think I would probably look at Jalen Williams um, because this the, right now it opens up about 20, 21 shots for other guys to take advantage of with Shea without, uh, without being uh, without Shea in the lineup. So I really want to get behind Chet here um, to score points and maybe step up in a spot where SGA's not playing here tonight. So I would look at, I would probably go Chet first and then Jalen Williams second as far as the scoring load. But for, for Josh Giddy. You mentioned it that he's going to be the primary ball handler for this team. I was looking at his rebounds and assists to go over 14 and a half uh, in this game. Um, it is juiced at minus 130. Um, I do like that. And then looking at the points prop for the OKC side, Chet's at 15 and a half, and then Jalen Williams at 19 and a half. So they're expecting Jalen Williams to get the bulk of the points for the OKC Thunder because. From a prop perspective, he's the one that has the highest point projection uh, for the OKC Thunder. Yeah, uh, I think Giddy assists is worth a look for me personally. But yeah. once again, the points, The I think Giddy's a very good player, and I think he's a very smart player, but his jump shot's been a problem for a couple of years now, and I haven't seen any improvement at all because he's shooting 39.1% from the floor. Last year, he was yeah. 48.2%. Still only yeah. shot 32.5% from three. So the jump mm-hmm. shot could still use some work. That's why it's mm-hmm. always tricky to take giddy points, though, because you don't really yeah. trust him to hit an open jumper. And that's mm-hmm. something he has to work on. So I think giddy assists is tempting. But a part of me also thinks Golden State just comes out of here and blows him out of the building. So it's a little bit tricky for this one. Yeah, his assists are sitting at six and a half at minus one forty for Giddy. Um, and that's why I think I, he's a good rebounder as well. So that's why I, I liked. Yeah. Pairing the, the the player combo of his rebounds and assists to go over the 14 and a half. So that's one I will be betting here tonight. And even if it does turn into a blowout, I think Giddy's the type of player um, without SGA on the floor that can definitely get over this by the end of three quarters. So uh, that's one player probably I do like for this game. All right, uh, Scott, let's keep it rolling here. Next game on the board, we have the Washington Wizards. They are headed to South Beach to take on Miami. Miami sits as a nine-point favorite right now with a total of 225. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, I believe Daniel Gafford is going to play in this game. Um, so I know that came across yesterday on Thursday about Daniel Gafford. He participated in practice, and then I believe it said probable that he was going to play. Corey Kispert, questionable left ankle sprain. For the Miami Heat, uh, Bam is a go in this game. Jimmy Butler is probable. Um, the only person that is going to be out, or only player, I should say, that's going to be out for Miami is going to be Caleb Martin, but everybody else is a go in this game. We talked about Washington earlier and how bad their defense has been so far this season. Scott, right down there with the world, the teams like the Indiana Pacers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we saw in their game against the Atlanta Hawks um, a couple nights ago where they did pretty good for the first 
first quarter, but after that, it just all fell apart for the uh, uh, West Washington Wizards defense. But I think the Wizards, we know, are going to be one of the worst, if not the worst team going into this season. Um, when it comes to the end of the season, probably having a top three pick in this upcoming season. But do you think the Heat should be warranted as a nine-point favorite against this Wizards team? I guess the argument is yes, because on one hand, the Wizards are the worst team in the league. I don't think it's close. Even Portland's won a couple of games. The Rockets have won a game. Congrats to you. Uh, But the Wizards, it's going to be a while since they uh, win multiple games because they beat Memphis, and I guess that makes Memphis the worst team in the league right now. I don't really know, but Memphis is the only winless team left in the league. The Wizards are bad. Like It's really, really bad, and I watched a lot of that Hawks game last time out because I had the over in that game. So I got to see it unfold and the wizards are just a very unserious team. Anytime you have Kuzma and pool together as your main offensive force, they threw a lob to each other off the backboard down 21 (laughs) points in the last game. They were down 21 points and they threw a lob off the backboard. So that tells you the exact, I'd say mood for this team. They're unserious. They don't guard anybody. They don't try to guard anybody. And it was really funny watching them backdoor cover the 10.5 against the Hawks because they were full court pressing down 24 points with six minutes to go in the game. That's not suspect at all. I recommend watching them play at least once. You're going to have a hell of a time. But the problem is the Heat don't cover ever as home favorites. So... They've made Tro and I a lot of money fading him so far mm-hmm. this year and last year because it's a well-known trend at this point. The Heat never win by margin. Do I think they should in this spot? Sure. But I don't know if I can trust them. I think I have to, at least in some spots, lean to the Heat. I said going into the year this team wouldn't make the playoffs, and I stand by that. They're 1-4. and four. They're not a good basketball team. But I do think at some point you got to step up. You had a massive lead against the Nets, which you choked away in your last game. Butler's been abysmal with his knee injury, so we'll see how he looks. He looked better against the Nets. But the Wizards aren't a real basketball team. It looks like an AAU team out there. And you witnessed an AAU team last year with the Rockets. And they Mm -hmm. were just having a lot of me, me, me basketball, giving up 130 a game. And you were trying to watch and wait, count the seconds until Silas got fired. I look at the Wizards the same way. The Wizards just don't know how to play team basketball, and they don't try to play defense. So at some point, the Heat have to cover as a home favorite. I think this is the spot for them. If they don't, would I be shocked? Not really, because the Heat, once again, never cover as home favorites. But at some point, you got to show up against a bad team and win games you need to win. And Miami is really in a great spot to win this game by double digits because the Wizards are, in fact, that bad, and it's in Miami. I'm going to lean to Miami. I don't love it, but that's where I'm leaning. I like Heat team total over more because the Wizards are actually useless defensively. Yeah, I think this might be a game where I wait for a live number on Miami. If the Wizards do come out and make an effort, at least in the first quarter, that are able to get a better number on Miami Heat um, as the game kind of progresses because we saw in the first quarter against the Atlanta Hawks, the Wizards were actually up by five points in that game. And then after that, they just got uh, blasted in that second and third quarter where they were outscored 74 to 52. And then they did outscore the Wizards 30. uh, Sorry, they did outscore the Hawks 39-31 to get that backdoor cover like you mentioned. But um, I definitely agree about the Miami Heat team total over here. Um, 
I'll lean with Miami here, but like you mentioned, for all the reasons that when Miami Heat are a home favorite, they uh, do not cover uh, the uh, the number, whether it's three points, four points, even nine points here tonight. I'm going to wait for a live number on Miami. But again, I do agree about the team total over for the Miami Heat. Uh, player props in this game. Scott, what are you looking at? Uh, my favorite play of the game is going to be Jimmy Butler over for 19 and a half points. He's been really bad this year because his knee's been mm-hmm. bothering him. But 19 and a half for a team that's expected to score 120 with its best player is too low of a number for me. The Wizards, we said, can't guard anybody. Butler gets to the foul line a lot anyway, even when he's been struggling from the floor. That's kind of one saving grace for his game so far has been getting to the foul line. I think Butler shows up, just simply put. I, I think that 19 and a half points is so low for once again, a team that has a team total of about 120, 119 and a half, it just feels like once again, you're looking at a spot where the Heat should get a decent amount of looks. The Wizards have no defensive integrity whatsoever. So Butler getting downhill at home repeatedly does seem like a pretty good option. And he did go over this number last game. It's not often you get Jimmy Butler below 20. And I think that yeah. it's a good spot for him to go over. He's also been good against the Wizards in his career. I think he's good. I think he's had at least 25 in three of his last four games. He went over this number last year, including playoffs in 72% of his games. Now, some of it's the knee injury. I get it. But 19 and a half, best player on a team that's expected to score 120. I got to take the over there. That number's too low. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think that eventually at some point we got to see um, Jimmy Butler bounce back and, and be the leading scorer for this team. I looked at Tyler Hero. Um, to go over his number of 23 and a half again, this perimeter defense, um, or lack thereof for the Wizards, it's it's, it's going to be a tough matchup, for, especially with a guy like Tyler Hero. Heroes had at least 20 attempts in every single game, uh, for the Miami Heat. Uh, he's playing around 38 and a half minutes per game, and he's averaging 8.8 three point attempts as well, uh, per game. And we know he's not a stranger getting to the foul line, uh, as well, but he's put together back to back. Uh, 30 plus point games for the Miami Heat. He's gone over 23 and a half points in three of the last four games as well um, for the Miami Heat. So, again, if we're thinking that the Miami Heat come out here and put up, let's be conservative because, again, they're, they're a slower paced team and offensive, they haven't been that great thus far this season. 115 points they put up in this game, or they get to 120. Um, I think that bulk of that obviously will come from, you know, Tyler Hero and uh, Jimmy Butler in this game. So expect those two uh, players to have a big night here. And again, Tyler Hero on the season, averaging 26.2 points per game um, so far for the Miami Heat. Uh, Next game on the board here, Scott, let's go over to the Brooklyn Nets. They are in Chicago to take on the Bulls here. Bulls currently sitting at a three and a half point favorite. Total is at 223 in this game. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these squads. Uh, for the Chicago Bulls, let's see here. Io DeSumo is questionable. He with a upper respiratory illness. Zach Levine is probable with back spasms. And that is pretty much it for the Bulls. For the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Nick Claxton is going to be out for this game. Spencer Didwitty is questionable. And Cam Johnson is also out with the left uh, calf strain for the Brooklyn Nets. But as it stands right now, the Bulls a three and a half point favorite against your uh, sorry, the Bulls a three and a half point favorite against your Brooklyn Nets here. Scott, what are you thinking? I'm going to lean to the Nets in this one. I believe this line was at four, four and a half last night. So there has been some line mm-hmm. movement in favor of the Nets. This team's not bad. This team is kind of what I thought they would be. I don't think they're a playoff team. Maybe they'll find a way to sneak in. But I thought they'd be a fringe playing team that plays very hard. 
And it just felt like it was a spot where the Nets are not going to hand games over, but they're also not good at closing games. And from what we've seen so far this season, they're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They lost one game because Luka had 49 points. There was nothing you can do about that. And they choked away a six-point lead of the minute and a half to go against Cleveland. So this that seems competitive. They can't close out games, but you're looking at a spot where, once again, the Nets have been a pretty decent team so far this season. Claxton's missed some games. Cam Johnson didn't play last game. They won anyway at Miami. Uh, the Bulls this season have been all over the place because they had a team meeting after one game, but they've been alternating <laughs> wins and losses. So you can argue that the Bulls are fine for the most part, but I really just see a close game that goes down to the wire. The Nets have played a lot of close games this season. I think the Bulls are going to be, once again, kind of battling with the Nets throughout the fourth. One one possession game late, and with that being the case, I'll take the points. But I really do see this being a one possession game with like a minute to go, and I think this game is going to be a slugfest throughout. Might not be the prettiest basketball, but I think it'll be close. So I'll lean to the Nets plus the points. Yeah, I love the Nets here as well. I, I grabbed them at plus four last night uh, when this number did uh, pop up. Uh, now it's all the way, it, well, I don't say all the way down, but it's down to minus three right now in favor of the Chicago Bulls. And I mean, you take a look at the Brooklyn Nets, right? Despite them being two and two straight up this season, they are four and zero against the spread. And the two losses that they did take, it was a one point loss on opening night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then it was a five point loss against the Dallas Mavericks on the road. They took care of business against the Charlotte Hornets, a 12 point victory. They also went into Miami for income from behind fashion and won that game by four points. And like you mentioned with Chicago Bulls, I just don't trust this team right now because you, like we said, we talked about this. They had that players only meeting came back the next night. They beat Toronto. Okay. Congrats. And they lost. They and then they lost, had a six. Oh, they were down like double digits with like three minutes to go. They should have lost. That yeah. Game too. And then they lost by 16 points the next game uh, to the Detroit Pistons. I know they followed that up with a victory here, but um, I think from a matchup perspective, you take a look at, the two primary scorers for the Chicago Bulls and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. This Nets team has the bodies to throw out those at those type of players and those type of scores and, and kind of give them a different look, right? We talk about Ben Simmons, who's looked pretty good thus far this season for the Brooklyn Nets. You also have Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, um, Mikhail Bridges that you can throw at them. So defensively, I know you talked about this, that we expected the Brooklyn Nets to be one of the better defensive teams this season because they have those type of players on this roster. So I think they can give them fits. Um, and then offensively, we know they're going to be fine. I know Cam Thomas had a down game uh, in his last game, but I expect him to you know, be able to put up points in this game. And they have different guys that can knock down shots and, and create their own shots as well for the Brooklyn Nets team. So I would not be shocked if Brooklyn uh, did win this game outright. I mean, it's only a three-point line right now. Like you mentioned, we do expect this to come down to the wire. Finally, a, a probably a one-possession game uh, in that final minute of the fourth quarter. So I'll take the Nets here. Um, I got it at four. It's down to three. I still like it there. And to put a little bit on the money line here as well for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, player props in this game here, Scott, anything that you do like? Uh, it's tough to go against Cam Thomas after a bad game because I think he's in line to uh, perform well. Cam Thomas under two and a half assists, by the way, has been an absolute cash cow, which is pretty funny because he plays that many minutes, but he never passes the ball. So if you want to go for a sweat a sweat prop that has been pretty profitable, I don't mind Cam Thomas under two and a half assists. Uh, let me just quickly see what the price is on that, though. I think it's actually a one and a half assist now. I think they bumped it down, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, I am looking at, at uh, Simmons rebounds. He's been a good rebounder. His numbers yeah. at seven and a half, and somebody's got to try to deal with Vucevic after Vucevic had basically a twenty and twenty game against Dallas. So I think Simmons can rebound. I like Vucevic for rebounds in this game too because the Nets yeah. without Claxton really don't have any centers. They're trying to use Simmons as their center, which has worked out somewhat. 
But we know Vucevic has some post moves, and I do think that Simmons would be in trouble in that defensive assignment. So for me, I'm going to go with Vucevic over. I think he's in line for a good game. I think Cam Thomas bounces back. But that's basically it. I'm looking at the usual suspects here, looking for some mismatches. And I do think Vucevic has a pretty big mismatch in the paint. So I think Vucevic has a good game. I think we got to parlay the under assist for Zach Levine and Cam Thomas in this game. What do you think? That's fair. We know Levine's <laughs> going to shoot. Yeah. Uh, I don't see, yeah, Cam Thomas at one and a half. Uh, I do see plus money on under two and a half assists for Zach Levine in this game. So, uh, if you want to put it together, a same game parlay, uh, yeah, I love the rebounds in Vucevic for Vucevic in this game, especially with no Claxton. Uh, but he's had a lot of success, uh, rebounding the basketball against this, uh, Brooklyn Nets team. His numbers at 12 and a half right now for Nikola Vucevic. Uh, definitely agree about, uh, Ben Simmons. He's been filling up the stat sheet, whether it's been rebounds and assists combined. I know the first game of the regular season, uh, it was at 12 and a half, but now the books have that adjusted that number. Um, last I saw was at 17 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. It's at 16 and a half in this game, but um, you know, we know when healthy, when Ben Simmons on the floor, he can, you know, distribute the basketball and then uh, definitely get the rebounds as well. So right there with you on Ben Simmons. Our next game on the board, two games left here. Uh, maybe the game of the night here, here, Scott. We got the Dallas Mavericks uh, led by Luka Dantage uh, headed to the Mile High City to take on Nikola Jokic and the defending NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets. Currently, this line is sitting at six and a half, starting to see uh, the sevens pop up in favor of the Denver Nuggets. Total is at 225 and a half in this game. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, for the Dallas Mavericks, Kyrie... Irving is officially questionable on the injury report. Maxi Kleba is also questionable in this game. And then for the Denver Nuggets, Christian Braun is probable, along with Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray are all probable here tonight. Only person that is going to be out for the Denver Nuggets is going to be Kancar, who is uh, dealing with a left knee injury, recovering from surgery. Um, let's call it minus seven right now is what the consensus number is, what I see for the this game here, Scott. Um, Denver coming off of the first loss of the season against the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves. Uh, looking to bounce back here against the Dallas Mavericks in this game. What are you thinking about this game? So, historically speaking, Dallas has actually given Denver some problems. They've won four of the last six meetings, but I do think there is some value on Denver after that absolutely no-show against Minnesota last time out. Dallas is 4-0, so good for them. But you're looking at who they've played against. They haven't played a good team. You're looking at the schedule up to this point. They beat Chicago. They're not very good. Beat Memphis. They're arguably the worst team in the league. Beat Brooklyn, who once again I think can be a decent team, but for the most part they're an av they're average at best. I think we can agree on. And they beat yeah. San Antonio in the first game of the season after trailing for most of the game. We're not sure how good San Antonio is, but that was Victor's first game. He was in foul trouble. He didn't really do anything the entire game. So I, I have to wait to see Dallas actually play a good team. And good for them. It's not their problem. They've beaten everybody on the schedule. But yeah. it's a massive step up in competition. And I do think that Denver, once again, is the best team in the league. I don't think it's close. I think that they are – you can argue maybe Boston is close, but it's them and everybody else. So yeah. I'll go with Denver minus six, uh, six and a half here. I like the team total over. I still don't think Dallas is a good defensive team. I just think that they've once again been against some bad offenses. So I'm going to go with Denver. I think they get it done at home. I think they bounce back after that no-show against Minnesota. But it's mostly kind – I don't want to call Dallas full pretenders, but I have to point out they haven't played a good team yet, and I think that they are in line to maybe get blasted if they face off against an elite team. 
And I think that's what's going to happen. And the line movement suggests that's what's going to happen, too. I'll back it. Give me Denver in the altitude. Yeah, I mean, take a look at who the Dallas Mavericks have played thus far this season. It's been the Spurs on the road uh, where they were trailing in that first quarter. Had to come from behind and win They're that game. Three they, quarters. Yeah, they had to. They and then they beat the Nets at home. They beat Memphis, but who hasn't beat Memphis this season on the road? And then they beat Chicago at home. Uh, and we know we just talked about how bad Chicago has been um, or. We aren't our believers on the Chicago Bulls team, but now you get the ultimate test going into Denver to take on this um, uh, Denver Nuggets team. And I think that this is going to be a game where I think Jamal Murray has a big game. I'm with Denver uh, as far as the side goes here, minus seven. Uh, I think this is a big spot here uh, for them to bounce back at home. I think Nikola Jokic is going to go absolutely berserk in this game. I just don't don't think that. Yeah, Dallas. I know they inserted Derek Lively into that starting lineup, but he's going to be barbecue chicken trying to guard Nikola Jokic in this game. We talk about the perimeter defense as well for this uh, Dallas Mavericks team. I mean, if Kyrie does play or doesn't play, it doesn't matter. We know that backcourt's not going to play any defense. So expect the stars to shine in this game for the Denver Nuggets. And KCP has been really good. I know he doesn't, if you're watching Denver games, it, his what he's been able to do thus far this season, it doesn't show up in the box score. But he's just making all those intangible plays for this uh, Denver Nuggets team. And he's found his role uh, very nicely for this Denver Nuggets team. And I think we saw that on full display last year on their way to the championship run for the Denver Nuggets. So, um, yeah, minus seven here for me for the Denver Nuggets here as well. Uh, somebody mentioned in the chat uh, as well their team total to go over. I believe it was, yeah, Case in uh, 116 and a half. I do like that play as well uh for this uh Denver Nuggets team but Scott anything on the full game total any two team totals that you do like in this game yeah I think Denver's gonna score 120 so I'll go with the over for Denver team total I probably will look for Jokic triple double in this game I think he's in line for a massive game if you want to avoid that maybe Jokic PRA but I don't know how he has a bad game against this defense because they have nobody that can stop them. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at Denver and what they are going to try to do offensively they might be able to just pick whatever they want to do because I don't think Dallas is a good defensive team. Kyrie hasn't played the last couple games, so maybe him coming back, he might be a bit rusty. Maybe that messes up some of the, I don't want to say chemistry, but we've seen Luka be very comfortable being the main option offensively. And Kyrie has deferred a bit, but that was mostly one game against San Antonio. So we'll see if there's a little bit of an issue of, it's my turn to score. No, it's my turn to score. and They're going to battle it out for actual shot attempts. But I just think Denver... With the amount of backdoor cuts they have and with the amount of options they have offensively because Jokic is one of the smartest players of all time, I just think Dallas's defense is screwed. So I'll go with Denver team total over. I think Jokic has a triple-double, in my opinion, if I had to pick an yeah. actual outcome here. Maybe Jokic rebounds because we saw Vucevic get 20 against this team. I think Jokic has a master class. So. 2-1 to one right now for uh, Jokic to uh, record a triple-double tonight. Uh, against this Mavericks team. And yeah, I think that was the one play I really did like in this game was uh, Vucevic, I'm sorry, uh, Nikola Jokic rebounds in this game. I think he's at 12 and a half right now. Uh, if you want to look at his rebounds and assists to go over combined, I, I, I don't hate that. But I mean, you guys mentioned it. Casey mentioned it as well in the chat. Uh, 20 rebounds for Nikola Vucevic. Haven't really played another legitimate center. So if, if you have Nikola uh, Vucevic getting 21 points and 20 rebounds uh, in a game, uh, against you, imagine just what Nikola Jokic is going to do here tonight against this uh, lack of front court defense for the Dallas uh, Mavericks. Um, anything else for player props here, Scott? 
Not really. Um, I think Murray can have a good game too, but I want to wait yes. and see the rest of the lineup for Dallas to see if Kyrie's going to play. But regardless of who's going to be in the backcourt, nobody can stop Jokic. That's kind of my point. Yeah, yeah, 100%. All right, last game of the night here. It's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies in search of their first win. They are uh, headed to Portland to take on the Blazers. Currently, the Grizzlies are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, a total of 221-and-a-half. Looking at the injury report for the Memphis Grizzlies, we know Stephen Adams is out for the season. Uh, Santi Aldama is doubtful for tonight. Brendan Clark is out as well. And Derek Rose is out as well. For the Portland Trailblazers, they are very, very thin in the backcourt. Uh, Scoot Henderson is going to miss some time with an ankle injury. We know about Simons. He's going to be out for another couple weeks here as well. Shannon uh, Sharp is listed as probable for this game here tonight, which I think that... Uh, We'll see probably Malcolm Brogdon step in that starting lineup in uh, place of Scoot Henderson here tonight. But uh, the Portland Trailblazers coming off of a short um, road trip, their first game back uh, at home after I think they split their road trip. I'm trying to pull up the numbers right now. Um, they beat Detroit. So so they won two out of three. Uh, they lost to Philly. They beat uh, Detroit and they uh, beat Toronto as well. And now they get back home uh, in their first game. Uh, back home, I should say, against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are in search of their first win of the season, 0-5 so far this season, straight up for the Memphis Grizzlies. Scott, do you think uh, Memphis gets their first victory tonight, or do we see Portland uh, taking care of business at home? Based on the spread, they should. I'm not taking them laying three and a half on the road. This team sucks. Like, there's yeah. nothing I liked about this team. You're looking at Memphis, and I was on their win total under. Uh, I, was wait- I was curious how they're going to look without Ja. I assumed it wasn't going to be good. You also know that I'm the biggest Marcus Smart hater on the pod, so I mm-hmm. thought that they were going to be abysmal. And I think that Marcus Smart is once again the most one of the most overrated players in the entire league. This team's not any good. Like Stephen Adams getting injured was the nail in the coffin for me because we know Jaron Jackson is a very good defensive player, but he does need a defensive big body center to back him up, and they don't have that anymore. And no offense to Tillman. But their defensive ratings taken a massive step back. And I do think when you're looking at the Grizzlies offensively, I think Bain's good. Is he a number one? Not even close. I think Bain's probably a decent two or a very, very good three. And they don't have an identity. It's as simple as that. I mean, you're looking at what they were good at last year, and it was finding ways to, with the bench unit, with Tyus Jones, outscore teams, use the energy of the crowd at home, be a physical defensive team, maybe a bit of a front-runner team, but still the point is they had an identity. What do they have? Like They're not good at anything. Yeah. It's just Desmond Bain, and then after that, like I think we've talked about this uh, earlier in the season. It's that Desmond Bain's going to do the scoring, but there's – really nobody else consistently that can step up and help him with the scoring, uh, you know, output. I mean, we've seen Jaron Jackson have flashes, uh, but other than that, uh, until John Moran gets back here, I mean, this team is definitely in trouble here. Um, just, to, just to mention it, by the way, to tell you how bad things are for Memphis, not only did they, not only are they 0-5, but they played Houston in the last mm-hmm. game. I'm sorry, they played Utah, sorry, in the last game. You got outscored 42 to 19 in the first quarter when you're 0 4 against Utah. Yeah. 42 to 19 in the first quarter. Like, this team isn't even close. I mean, I actually was checking up prices for make miss playoffs already. The Grizzlies Mm -hmm. are like minus 140 to miss. Yeah. I'd take that. I I think think when Jock comes back, he might be rusty, he might be a little bit too late. But I said going into the suspension, I thought Memphis as a floor would have maybe eight, nine wins. 
they'd be like nine and yeah. sixteen, or maybe yeah. you know eight and seventeen. Are they going to win five games without Jaw? I don't even know. Yeah, I want to look at their schedule here, but um, they could be five and twenty. Like it, they are that bad. So I don't think they. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And the West is difficult anyway. But you can just tell from that no show in the first quarter against Utah. Just mentally, they're fried already, and we're five games into the season. Yeah, come on, they have back to back. Yeah, back to back games in Portland here. They play tonight in Portland, uh, and then they play Sunday in Portland as well. And then they uh, go back home to face Miami, Utah, and then they take a three game road trip to the two LA teams, and then San Antonio, and then Boston, and then my Rockets. Maybe that's a victory there, but we'll see. Um, is there any chance that get, you're laying three and a half? Because I don't know what yeah, there is to like about this team. I can't. Like, if this was one and a half, I think that's where it opened at. I would have taken it there, but at three and a half, I think it's a little out of my reach. But for the Memphis team, like again, we talk about offensively, like the most points they've scored this season has been 110 against the Dallas Mavericks. Other than that, it's been 104, 104, 106, 110, and 109. So I think this Portland team is definitely capable of scoring 110 or more points. And right now, the ceiling so far for this team offensively has been 100 and around 107 points on average. So I think that if Memphis does win this game, it's correlated towards the under. Um, they're going to have to bog down defensively against this Portland team and, and really shut them down to win this game. So if you do like Portland, uh, sorry, if you do like Memphis, I would take a look at the under at 221 and a half in this game. Um, I think that one of these two games, if it's if they don't get the victory here tonight on Friday night, I'll be back in the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. Um, to find a way to get the uh, victory here. But I think they do wanna win one of these two games against Portland. Because if they don't, they lose both these games. Oh, it's it's gonna be trouble for Memphis, uh, uh Memphis Grizzlies in this game. So I do want to um, ask you yeah. if things continue to go badly, and let's just say that this team starts out, I don't even know, two and ten, two and eleven. Mm-hmm. Is the coach on the hot seat? Because they were really good last year, but he's got a built-in excuse with Morant not being there. Yeah, I think he has that built-in excuse. They've had success not only during the regular season, but somewhat in the playoffs as well. And them not having, uh, I'm not arguably. Well, they were one done last year against the Lakers. But yeah, yeah, their best player in John Moran right now. Um, But also dealing with uh, some other injuries as well, right? Like Brandon Clark is a a key contributor, you know, for for this team as well. And they're also, I mean, Aldama is another piece on this. Yeah, so again, you know, that's four players right there that were an important part of this rotation last year. So I think he does have a built-in excuse right now because it's it's you're relying on Desmond Bain and then Marcus Smart, like you mentioned, and then in Triple J. No, uh, Triple J is more of a defensive guy, but he can also put up points for you as well. So at three and a half, I'll lean with the Blazers. Um, I mean, I'm not going to have any money on this game. Um, but again, if you do like the Grizzlies, I would correlate that with the under in this game. Because again, if they do win, I think that's going to have to be on the defensive effort for the Memphis Grizzlies. And Scoot's not going to play, but yeah. is that necessarily a bad thing at this point in his career? No offense to Scoot, I still like him as a prospect. But right now, in 2023, Malcolm Brogdon's the better player. Yeah, and I think he's going to step up to the starting lineup uh, without Scoot Henderson there. So I think that's definitely an upgrade right now uh, for the uh, for the uh, Portland Trailblazers right now. So definitely the ugliest game of the night here, Scott. But anything you have on the total or any player props you're looking at in this game? I'm going to lean to the under because Memphis can't score. And I do think that the Blazers aren't exactly a good offensive team either. For player props, do I dare trust Aiton for rebounds? 
I think you. He's been can. better at it this year. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. But yeah, he does have one outlier twenty-three rebound game, which kind of bumps up all his numbers. But I think Aiden's in line for a good game. I think Tillman might be in line for a good game. So if you want to go for a double-double prop, I wouldn't mind maybe Tillman if you think that he's in line for a good game. I think Bain's going to play relatively well. Portland's fascinating because Memphis has been bad defensively too, and the main weapon offensively would be Sharp. I think Brogdon is a sneaky candidate for either a double-double or maybe just points and assists. I think Brogdon's in line for a good game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to see if he is going to be the starter here in place of Scoot Henderson. Definitely looking at his points and assists to go over, but I think, yeah, the double-double is a great call. Who else uh, would it be if it's not going to be Brogdon? Jeremy Grant, maybe? Like points and rebounds double-double? No, I was saying for the actual starting lineup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so I don't, know. I don't. Yeah, I mean there are. I think it really has really to be thin. Brogdon. Yeah, um, yeah. The Shaden Sharp's already in that starting lineup, but he's not really a point guard. So no. Um, just to back to referencing back to Aiden, his rebounds are at ten and a half at minus one thirty. Um, only two centers so far have gone over eleven rebounds, and that was the first two games of the regular season, uh, which was Valanciunas at twelve, and then Nikola Jokic. Had twelve as well. What's what's um, Tillman double double by any chance? Uh, let's see, Tillman. Tillman double double is listed at plus three twenty. That's not bad for a starting center. That's not bad. Yeah, offensively has yeah. not been good recently, but once again, you got to look for some angles, take a decent shot. As a low total, you're looking at a bunch of missed shots in this game, so the rebound should be there. Mm-hmm. Tillman isn't a great offensive player, but we know Aiden can take some possessions off defensively. Plus 320, starting center. I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't hate it either. Uh, all right, Scott, anything else for this game? No, not really. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get over to our lock and dog uh, for the Friday card, and then we'll also put together our price picks uh, entry uh, for the Friday night schedule. Uh, you want to leave us off here, Scott, with your lock and dog? Uh, sure. So starting off with the lock for the show, I uh, just quickly want to go through everything that I like in my head and pick something. So I'm obviously not going to take the Cavs game. Next game, I'm not going to take a oh, Warriors team total is very tempting if I want to take that approach. You know what? I think I'm just going to trust my instincts on this one, which is going to be the matchup. And I think that I have to look for Jokic in some capacity. The question is, do I want to take the PRA or do I want to take the RA? Because I do think he's in line for a massive game. I think I'm going to go with the... Let me just quickly pull up the numbers. because I, I got to compare. Uh, so PRA, Jokic is at... What is he at? 47 and a half. It's actually not that bad. Uh, rebounds and assists, he's at 20 and a half. I think I'll just take the RA. I, I think that Jokic could have one of those games where maybe he scores 15 points. We know he can dominate without actually having to score the basketball. But 20 and a half for an RA line where we just saw Vucevic have 20 plus rebounds alone, not including assists. I think Jokic could get 15 rebounds here. It wouldn't shock me. But for me, my lock will be on uh, Jokic rebounds and assists over 20 and a half at minus 130. For my dog, I got a couple options because a lot of people are probably going to be tempted by Portland, uh, but I'm still not sure how bad Portland actually is. They're not good, but they might be better than I thought they were going to be. But mm-hmm. the Nets are kind of catching my eye because I think that's going to be a close game too. Uh, but if I had to pick one dog here, I think I am going to go with Brooklyn. You know what? I had Brooklyn last episode against Miami. I like plus 185. They got it done for me again. 
I'll do it again. I think that the Nets have value here. We've seen the line drop from four to three. They've played well without Claxton and Cam Johnson. So I think that those injuries might be a bit overblown. I'm going to go with the Nets money line at around plus 140. All right. Um, all right. For my lock, I want to just continue fading this Wizards defense, but I'm not sure if the Heat will put up the points. The Heat are like They're the team- one team I'd be afraid of to actually score 120 because yeah. they play so slow normally. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, and their team total right now is at 116 and a half, but. Um, yeah, I'll stay away from that. I think I'm going to just continue fading the Pacers defense. I think based on this line movement that it just went from one and a half to three that I think Garland may play in this game. Um, I'll take the over in that game. I'll, I'll trust the Cleveland Cavaliers defense. Uh, sorry, offense. So just put up points. I think pace is going to be a big thing in this game as well, because we know Pacers like getting up and down the floor, even without um, if Halley doesn't play in this game. TJ McConnell has, had came in the last game. We also have Andrew Nimhart as well. Um, so Cleveland and Indiana Pacers over 225 and a half as my lock. And for my dog, um, I mean, yeah, I love Brooklyn. I, I, I think double dogs never work out for us in this game. So Do you have a prop you like? You want yoga triple double at two to one? Yeah, I think that was one that I really did like. Um, I was looking at the double double market. Um for tonight let me see if there's anything that caught my eye there giddy at plus 125 i mean it's not a huge dog but i think you just gotta go Jokic, man um i mean it's anytime a you get a matchup for him yeah anytime you get a two to one on Jokic, they record a triple double i think i'm gonna take that so let's do that uh i do love the nets as well but let's go officially for the show we'll go uh nicola Jokic triple double at plus 200 um Again, I think the only concern may just be the assist in this game because I know he'll get the rebound, so definitely obviously get the points as well. Um, but again, I think that this is a game where it's just a great advantage for him uh, matchup-wise. I don't think there's anybody on this roster for the Mavericks that can hold uh, Nikola Jokic in this game. Um, would not be surprised if Luka gets a triple-double in this game as well. So if you want those two superstars and the two frontrunners for MVPs to record uh, triple-doubles here tonight, maybe... A little D-Gen parlay right there at plus 330 for Luka and uh, plus 200 for Nikola Jokic. But uh, officially for the show, I'll give out um, Nikola Jokic uh, triple-double at 2-1 to one, currently over on DraftKings. Uh, Scott, let's put together our price picks entry here for tonight for our player prop. So um, do we want to start with Nikola Jokic rebounds? Yeah, I think that. That's one we both like here for tonight. So let me find Nikola Jokic. Okay, so his uh, rebounds are at 12 over on price picks. We'll go more on that. Uh, what else do we like for tonight? I like Butler points at 19 okay. and a half. I think the number's too low. All right, so we'll throw Butler in there. Uh, let me find him here. Jimmy Butler. Um, where's Jimmy? He's not listed here. Uh, Maybe because the knee injury is still there. I don't know. Yeah, he's not listed um, right now, so we may have to pivot off of that. Um, What do you think about Cam Thomas on his points? I think we both like that. What number is that at? 23 and a half. I think he bounces back from last game, so I'm not against it. Or Curry, 28 and a half. That might turn into a that one. I kind of have to like because he's had 40 pieces for the last couple of games. So, okay, we'll throw in Curry then. 
All right, okay. let's go Curry more 28 and a half. There was a assist prop we had talked. Man, I wish they had Malcolm Brogdon out, but they don't have it yet. Do we look at Giddy assist or oh, what about uh Ben's uh, rebounds and assist or just his rebounds? I mean, if I had to pick one, oh, that's a, that's an option. You want Vucevic rebounds? Oh yeah, we could do uh, Vucevic rebounds. Twelve and a half. Sure. All right. So there it is. Um, Nikola Jokic, twelve rebounds. We'll go more on that. Steph Curry against the uh, Thunder, twenty-eight and a half points. We'll go more on that. And then Nikola Vucevic against the Brooklyn Nets, uh, twelve and a half rebounds. We'll go more on that here for tonight. So that's our prize picks entry. Hopefully we can go uh, two nights in a row uh, cashing on these prize picks entries, but that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the NBA gambling podcast. Um, again, the first of the in-season tournament games tip off tonight. Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Not really. Should be a fun slate of games. Once again, I'm not sure how this in-season tournament thing is going to work out, so we'll find out together. But yeah, let's make some money. Yeah, 100%. Uh, make sure to follow the NBA Gambling Podcast uh, X slash Twitter account, whatever you might want to call it, at SGPNNBA. Make sure to follow Scott on X slash Twitter at Show Radio. You can follow me on Twitter slash SX at SportsNerd824. More importantly, smash that like button for us before you guys get out of here. And also, if you haven't already subscribed to the NBA Gambling Podcast YouTube channel, please go ahead and do that. Uh, me and Chris will be doing the propcast uh, here for tonight, uh, NBA, uh, in about 10 minutes here. So if you guys want to shift over there or stay here, we'll go live here on the NBA Gambling Podcast uh, YouTube channel. So we'll be live in about 10 to 12 minutes here. Um, and we'll be back next week for a new week of NBA games. Till then, good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, get it, 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 get it